Hello and welcome to Talk in the Microphone. I'm Connor Nyberg and I am an avid fan of Logan Whitehurst who discovered him well into my teens and now I'm here with none other than... Owen Otto! <laughs> <laughs> and I, uh, I used to play in a band with Logan and was his roommate and good friend and uh, played guitar on some of his songs. And here on Talk in the Microphone, me and Owen are going to go through Logan, Logan's entire solo discography. Because <laughs> um, Logan was a very multi-talented artist who recorded a number of albums in the late 90s and early 00s. Um, we've already gone through Outsmarting the Popos, his very first album. And now we're going through his second album, I Would Be a Biggest Octopus, released in 1998. Now, Owen, I think you mentioned to me that this is one of your favorite albums by Logan. Can you, uh, can you go on that a little bit? Yeah, so I think, by the way, I, I created a new thought of how we should do this thing, which is that I'm not going to listen to any of the albums ahead until we, okay. get, to that, until we get to that week. Uh, and so a lot of these I haven't heard in a long time, right? Mm -hmm. And so in my memory, this is the best Logan album. Um, I feel like that's probably not objectively true to the degree <laughs> that music can be objectively good. Yeah. But... Um, it's just like we we were still roommates at this time for this album and so i heard all these songs as they were being created and you know we'd just be listening to them around the house so i think just a lot of times like music if you kind of spent time with it uh and you have a lot of good memories uh associated with it yeah um, then it makes you really like it and that's how this album is kind of for me but then i guess also as opposed to outsmarting the popos where i think he was just kind of like uh getting started trying stuff out on this one i think there's actually a bunch of songs that are just really good You're even right, now yeah. even now when i listen to it like this i think some of the like if 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 i make like if like let's say at the end of this if we make our top 10 list like i think this one would have like at least three or four of my favorite of his songs are on this album yeah, I definitely agree. This is much more cohesive than his very first tape. There's actually these songs, and he's writing out, and he's thinking them out, and they're much better. Um, they're still recorded primarily on his four-track, and I think all of his albums, excepting his last one, were recorded on his four-track. Um, yeah, I and think I think I sort of like the... I kind of like the lo-fi-ness. Yeah. Um, I think it's because... Um, I think it actually kind of adds something to his music... Um, let's think how to put this. Just it gives it kind of an edge that I think is is helpful. Yeah, I agree. It's very homespun. And I think at this point, I know he was using um, sound edit to edit some of the sounds, but I, I feel like most of this is majorly analog. Um, and it'll get his music will get much more digital later. But this is his last very analog release. I'd say. I, I think you still have the. We kind of talked about this last time a little bit, but when I listened to this album. I just um, feel like I'm hanging out with this guy who's having a great time uh, just making <laughs> up rand like a mad scientist in his bedroom. Yeah. And you're, you're trying out a few of these tracks too, so that, that makes it even better. Well, those are the best ones. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually far from true, but... Uh. <laughs> All right, well, um, let's jump right into it. So for convenience's sake, I've grouped some of these tracks together. So we got track one, Logan Uncle Whitehurst, track nine, Rock by Baby, track 19, Some Fish, and track 24, Unshake It. Now, all these tracks come from the same source. It's a tape that um, Logan's mother, Jan, uh, used when, he, when she interviewed Logan when he was only three. And these are all Jan asking Logan, three-year-old Logan, questions and Logan coming up with all these really strange answers. So let's let's give these tracks a listen. First of all, tell us what's your name. Okay. What is it? Logan. Logan what? Logan Lighthurst. And do you have a middle name? Um. Oh, Uncle. No. <laughs> no. Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> I that that. Tree top, when the wind blows, 
When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bell breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come, baby. Cradle. I love that rock. when he says it. And, and down will come, baby. <laughs> because it's like the same thing that he was doing later in life. I know. <laughs> it's amazing. How could he be like that already at three? I know. I'm, I'm surprised that he can, like, think this well at three. Most three-year-olds can't even make full sentences. Yeah. I know. The guy was smart. <laughs> now, where do Grandma and Grandpa live? In Palo Alto. Yes. And what's your favorite thing to do in Palo Alto? Talk in the microphone. Oh. And where do you like to go in Palo Alto? To the museum. What's there? Tell us about it. Some fish. I wouldn't like it if an earthquake came to my house. Why not? Because um, if it shook my house, I would be surpri surprised. What would you do? I would go out of the house and see what it is. Uh-huh. And I might go back in and unshake it. Well, that would be a good idea. And I might hold everything with eight hands. If you had eight hands, what would you be? I'd be an octopus. Uh -huh. And if I had 20 hands, I would be a biggest octopus. His mom's interviewing him perfectly, too. I know. Because she's a teacher, so she has that sound. <laughs> yeah, I think that's where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. But um, that's where the name of this album comes from, is from that track, Unshake It. He says, if I had eight hands, I'd be an octopus. If I had 20 hands, I would be a biggest octopus. <laughs> that's just... That's that's so adorable. I'm, 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 <laughs> that really is. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, no, that was that's actually a really cool tape to draw from, and I think that's an appropriate way to introduce and just kind of intermittently put throughout this album. Yeah, and it kind of um, I don't know. He always has like a sort of childlike uh, thing to his music. So he it, does. Yeah, it's very fitting. Yeah. And then um, from Logan Uncle Whitehurst, we go straight into The Man from Atlantis. The Man from Atlantis came to our class today. We had to stop talking just to hear what he had to say. He looked straight into my eyes and he pointed his webby hand. He said, I come from the fabled underwater land. His utility belt had a light that kept flashing on and off. You should have been there for the man from Atlantis. His eyes were buggy and his gills were green. You should have been there for the man from Atlantis. Strangest little fish man I've ever seen. I, asked him I where feel Atlantis like, again, that today. this one was kind of one of the first ones written. Yeah. That it's a little bit in order. Um, of the order they're written in, not exactly, but um, yeah. When I first heard this, I was I was blown away because it was so much better than any of the songs on the previous album. Yeah, <laughs> and it has such a story to it. Yeah, exactly. It, it starts um, as pattern of, of story, more story oriented songs. Yeah, and I mean, it's like the the um, Popos has some stories in it too, but you kind of get the gist of them right away. Yeah, exactly. This one, it keeps on revealing more stuff as it goes on. Yeah. And it's such a weird... Like, how would you even think of that? I just have no idea. <laughs> did, did this actually happen? Do you have any idea if this actually happened? I don't think so. But <laughs> I, I never heard of it really happening. That's so um, funny. I just think it's also a really good tune. It doesn't yeah. sound like... Um, it's, it's a pretty original and catchy pop tune. Yeah, I agree. It's 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 simple. It's it's some more story oriented. It's going to a more traditional structure with these songs. He's he's kind of getting out of his experimental phase and more into his more ballad kind of type songs. Yeah, this one I actually do I do kind of wish he would have re-recorded again later. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this one I do think actually could be better with a little more production. It sounds very thin. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it's really good. It also is kind of funny to me. I don't remember if we talked about this on the last one or not, but it seems like he has this series of 
of songs that are kind of um, similar in theme like the so like the cigarette song is kind of the same thing as this it's like making fun of um, anti-smoking sort of teaching yeah. this one's making fun of anti-drug teaching and that kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that comes from but it's a it's a funny uh, trend it is it's an interesting trend if nothing else <laughs> all right well from the man from Atlantis we go into strange Mr. Gregor I don't know if this is delusional, but I think that I can identify Logan's drum kit. Oh, <laughs> like if you That's if true. you had three, because he, he uses the you same had, drum kit throughout everything, right? I don't, and it, he might not have ever even gotten a new drum kit. Yeah, I'm also pretty sure it wasn't a very good drum kit. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, I think that they just got it. I don't remember what the story was, but it's it's something along the lines of. They, you know, got it from somebody's uncle or got it at a garage sale or something. Dang. And then he and his dad, like, sanded it and refinished it and stuff. Wow. It's incredible how versatile it is, because, like, it's the same drum kit he played for Littleton Frog, he played it for Velvet Teen, he played it for his own stuff, and each time it, it sounds different. He has a different style, I guess, which is what is amazing. Yeah, I really like that one as well. <laughs> that was a good one. It's also got this weird, um, it's like you're just entering into this strange world with this oddball character. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. By the way, along the lines of the drum kit, to me it seems so difficult to, because to do this, you think he had to sit there and play the drums by itself. Yeah. It's just, it just sounds really, it seems really hard to do to me. <laughs> And then and have it be exactly right, and then go back and add all the other things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm curious as to whether or not, because I know somebody who, when they record, they record the instruments first and then the rhythm later. Is uh, do you know if Logan did rhythm first, instruments later, or? I I definitely think he did the rhythm first. Interesting. Yeah. That that um, is tricky. Yeah. Especially with all the changes in that song, he he plays with the snare a lot in that one. Yeah, he has to have it all in his head. Wow. Um, one thing about this song, little story about this song that I remember that's kind of funny is um, at the end, uh, Strange Mr. Gregor says, like, put that in your brown eye or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, Logan was kind of a, I can't think of any better way to put it than that he was kind of a goody good. <laughs> like, I never really, I, I never really heard him cuss. Okay. Um. He didn't drink or smoke or do any drugs. And I would kind of, like, even just, he would tend to wear um, shirts that he got from, like, the being in academic decathlon in high school or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so when I heard that lyric in there, I was like, Logan, do you know what that means? Do you know what you're saying right there? Because <laughs> I really thought that it might be a mistake or something. Because I just couldn't believe that he would say that in one of his songs. <laughs> but yeah, no, he knew what he was doing. Oh my god. That's amazing. <laughs> the closest yeah. thing to Logan Whitehurst cursing. Actually, exactly. I was surprised because I think in some later songs he says, he actually says, damn. And Ooh. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. He's going to get his mouth washed out with soap. Right. His innocence is ruined. It's it's all gone. It's out the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's funny. Giddy good. Yeah. I'm gonna have to use that term. Giddy good. <laughs> <laughs> and the uh, the next track is not so exciting. It's called "I Hear the Hiss." Oh, and by the way, there is no hiss in the song. Doing track two now. Doing track three. Track three. Hiss. Kind of a hiss out of here. I hear the hiss. 
mean, that's just a 20-second tidbit that might might as well have been on outsmarting the popos. I I like it for some reason. But <laughs> I, I know it's not actually good. But you, you could just really hear him. You just, like, can imagine exactly being in that situation. Yeah, exactly. Where, where you're trying to uh, figure out how to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the funny part. So he gave this... Um, this uh, apparently he transferred all this to CD and when he got the CD back, um, someone had gotten rid of the hiss with some digital noise reduction. So the hiss isn't even on the track. So <laughs> <laughs> he called him a jerko. All right. And then um, track five is we want to rule the world. What's the story on this one? So this was a song he wrote in 1991 when he was um, 13 with his friend Austin. And this is a remake of said song. Yeah. Sounds very childish. But yeah. super well done, actually. All the different voices and everything. Yeah, that's that's strange. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised he remembered this song from when he was 13. Or he probably still had the tape. Yeah. If yeah, he yeah. still had the tape of him talking when he was three. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think I think he had just a bunch of tapes of experiments and stuff from his childhood. That's crazy. So he had like the Logan Whitehurst archive. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Any um any stories with that one? Anything you remember? Not in particular. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I liked it when it was done, but um, nothing stands out. Alrighty then. Up next, though, is one of his more famous songs, something that stands out well with his fan base. The first version of Happy Noodle vs. Sad Noodle. Noodle led the sort of life the working stiff dreams about. Driving a Studebaker, making pies with his wife, taking a dip in the old swimming hole. Yes, sir, Happy Noodle had it good and he wasn't complaining. He always waved hello and always smiled and always tipped his hat and said, nice weather we're having, regardless of the weather. Now, as most protagonists do, he had an antagonist, a polar opposite bent on nullifying his happy existence. His name was Sad Noodle, a pathetic excuse for an egg and flour mixture with a little extra water just for tears. He worked in a successful firm and was under a lot of stress. And this is the story of their ultimate battle. Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle. Happy Noodle versus Sad Sad Noodle. Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle. I think it's genius. It is. It really is. Um, so I know there's a story behind this one. I've, I've heard bits of it. You might have to correct me. But um, so from what I heard, um, Logan and his family went out to eat at a Chinese restaurant called Happy Noodle. And someone mentioned something like, oh, some uh, Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle. And that's and he actually wrote the song there on the spot on a napkin in the restaurant. Uh, I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think, and I'm not, I'm, the memory's a little foggy, so it might not be exactly right. But right. we used to we used to go to Denny's a lot because in Petaluma, on a Friday or Saturday night, there was really nowhere you could go. Um, and uh, so we would be hanging out at Denny's, like, and we were really poor. we just have, like, fries and <laughs> coffee and we'd be staying there for hours and my memory is that we were at Denny's after a show or something with a bunch of other people in bands and people in the scene and uh, people were talking about the names of uh, Chinese restaurants and um, and somebody mentioned Happy Noodle and someone said oh you should make a song Logan you should make a song like that 
And then someone else said happy noodle versus sad noodle. And that was just kind of the end of it. We didn't, I didn't think about it anymore. And um, then he, a while later, I don't know how long later, he told me, or maybe he played it for me. And he told me that he had come up with the chorus while he was in the shower. And it occurred to him as a, as a rhythm. Um, and uh, this affects how I listen to the song. The chorus has like a a rhythmic trick to it because the, the singing yeah. comes in at a time that you don't expect. And so that was kind of the thing that got him into the song is thinking of that rhythm. And uh, And so he had this theory that actually rhythmic tricks are a way to make a song catchy because it kind of... Um, messes with your mind it because your mind it because it almost does what you expect but not quite yeah. then it becomes something that intrigues your mind and uh and makes you want to hear it again oh that's interesting yeah that's true there is no melody in the song is it it's, no it's, no traditional melody certainly no no real melody to speak of and yeah. Yeah, yeah it is catchy so i think i think he won over in that aspect yeah, yeah. So that's a cool trick. Actually, I tried to use it in one of my own songs once, and I think it's a. I should try again. It's a good idea. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. No. This is so. This is the first incarnation of Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle, and um, and he has he has the whole thing figured out. But it's since he it's it's on his four track, and I think it's him, an organ, and a drum machine for the most part, and so it's much less more um. I guess arranged as the later incarnations of this song, and so it's interesting knowing how the final version that appears on Goodbye My Four Track sounds, and listening to this. Essentially, it sounds like it sounds like a demo. That's how I, I think of it. But it's still a very very well put together demo. It's very it's telling of everything that's going to happen later on with the arrangements. Yeah, I mean, so this is the. Um... The first one I heard, obviously, and um, to me, I still like this one the best. I don't know. It seems like it completely works, just like this. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it definitely has its own unique charm. And it has three, even though even though it doesn't really have a melody, it has three different rap parts that are all really different. Yeah. And um, and the story is so good. It's funny, but it also kind of makes you think about the the. Uh, like the battle between happiness and sadness in your own mind. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a total masterpiece for sure. It is. It's definitely one of his best songs he's ever made. It's great. Yeah. Um, and then that's followed up by "Hey Nani" remix. Thank you. Do what we want. Thank you. Do what we want. Thank you. Do what we want. So Logan said that these samples are from a show that him, Ryan, and Dominic played as a band called Nod at the Phoenix Theater in 1996. Do you have any idea about Nod? Yeah, um, so what happened was Dominic Davi, who, um, who later went on to be in the band Tsunami Bomb and was a good friend of, of ours and especially Logan's. Um, he had a band called Nod and I think it kind of fell apart. And so just two of the members and Logan decided to do, maybe they had the show booked before everyone in the band quit or something. Uh, but for whatever reason, they decided to go on and do the show. And so Logan played drums with them. And I mean, I think it was like a thing where like maybe they practiced the day of or the day before. Oh, jeez. And um, Logan was oh, and we would always record our shows and listen to them afterwards. Okay. And um, yeah, so he recorded it. They recorded it on a cassette or whatever. And I remember he was driving around listening to it forever. He loved the recording of it for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know what it was like. I don't know if it was because they didn't practice and just did it really spontaneously, or if he just liked the music. But he was obsessed with the the recording. Um, and, uh, like to me, it just seemed okay, All right, yeah. but he loved it. And then he made this, uh, he just took all the little pieces of this and in the computer kind of made this out of them. And I don't know, it blew my mind because the, the thing doesn't sound anything like this. <laughs> it's like a rock. It's just a rock band. I mean, these are like little, these are like things people said in between songs. Yeah. Stuff. 
Um, like, I don't even know what Hey Nani, maybe that's the name of the one of the songs or something, but the, uh, yeah, I think this is just an amazing sound collage uh, to have made out of that raw material. Yeah, definitely. It's it's an interesting experiment. It's weird how it's just kind of inserted in there, and I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, which was why I was very confused about it, but yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. And you said he put it all into the computer, so, it, so he made this all and sounded it? I don't know how, how the, the combination of sound edit and four track were, but yeah, somehow the combination of those two things. That's really impressive, actually. Yeah, I mean, like it's doing it with very primitive tools. It's also just weird. I don't know how he does some of these kind of um, some of these like hip hop remix kind of sounds that he yeah. does. I mean, he he didn't even really listen to music like like that. So it was. It just seemed to come out of nowhere to me. <laughs> That's interesting. So Logan didn't listen to any hip hop. I mean, he must have, <laughs> but not really. All right. It definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't. Um, you know, one of the main things he would listen to. Sometimes I was, uh, as I listened to this album, I did think that maybe he was somewhat influenced by Beck. That would make sense. Uh, yeah. Maybe some things came from Beck. Yeah. That that wouldn't that would make sense, especially uh, Beck's earlier stuff. It's very dependent on, on the kind of rhythmic stuff of rap. Yeah, and also it's kind of experimental and yeah. uh, homemade. Actually, yeah, that, that's there's a lot of parallels between that his early stuff and Beck's early stuff. Yeah, huh. but I don't know. I think overall, like this kind of thing, just kind of comes from nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. All right. So up next is how was your day? Hey, how's it going? Hey, how was your day? Hey, how's it going? Hey, go away. See, there, there's definitely some parallels on the first album. Oh yeah, no, this is definitely reminiscent of um, this is what happens, except it's it's along the lines of the more story-based songs on this album. It's like a little bit more sophisticated. This is what happens. Yeah, yeah. it's it's very much so. Um, it's funny. Uh, in the track list for this album, it's listed as Ack Appella uh-huh. <laughs> on the original um, liner notes. I thought that was funny. Yeah. All right, and that was how was your day? Any how was um, your day? How um, how was your day, Owen? <laughs> I would say it was above <laughs> average. It's rather above sunny average. here. Yeah, I went swimming in the morning. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's, yeah, a, that's good. Yeah, but well, my day just started, so I can't yeah, really yeah. tell you on a on a on a truthful level how my day was. I'm gonna have to wait a few hours. Then I'll let you know. We but didn't even mention by then. Exactly, we didn't even mention that we're in completely different places. Yeah, so I'm in um, sunny South Carolina, and uh, Owen is in Zurich, Switzerland. Yeah, where it is slightly sunny and nearly 5 p.m. Yes, and it is a quarter to 11 here, so we have quite a time difference here. Two different worlds torn apart. But but, uh, brought together. By the internet. and, And I would be a biggest octopus. Sponsored by Google. (laughs) <laughs> sponsored by google hangouts <laughs> can we get a sponsorship from uh, google for this google already sponsors my whole life so. <laughs> <laughs> all right i guess that counts yeah Alrighty. now um after rockabye baby um uh, we have the rockin hit fission or fusion fission or fusion fission or fusion fission or fusion I think it's badass. It is. It is completely badass. You're um you're part of the backup vocals on this, aren't you? Yeah. He 
he was like upstairs in his room for hours making this and um this dude we know who was in the local music scene uh tal tal kopstein um played trumpet on it i don't know what i think they made like a few songs that day and maybe this is one of them and then he just kind of called me and our other roommate joe in near the end to say the to sing the chorus basically nice yeah <laughs> but he had it all figured out yeah it's it's definitely a rockin rockin hit song about fission and fusion um it reminds me a lot of um robot cap just the just the rapping portion you know yeah yeah, yeah. and i think this this song reappears on his mini album dentures and doorknob i i mean i Sorry. think the science is good the rhymes are yeah. good it's catchy and I don't know, in comparison to like the standard metric system that was on the previous one, you yeah. know, that was kind of a, a science-y song. I don't know, yeah. this one seems so much more sophisticated. It does. It, it's, it's much more factual-based, and it's more, more about teaching you than it is about uh, making fun of something. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm learning about Fission and Fusion from Logan Whitehurst. <laughs> it's cool. It's a little jazzy, too. It is. The trumpet really adds something. I like it. All right, and uh, right after that is a fine little tune called Surfing in Hell. Yeah, I always felt like this one was like the cousin of We Want to Rule the World. Yeah, in a way it is. I really like this one, though. I think it's one of his more underappreciated songs. It's a, it's a really, it's just a nice catchy tune. It's a catchy Surfing tune and another bizarre world that you can kind of imagine. Yeah, exactly. You can see people surfing in hell, you know? And there's someone's kind of like whipping them and saying, You surf now! <laughs> exactly. And um, according to Logan, the song was supposed to be an an instrumental, but he, quote-unquote, fudged it all by putting lyrics into it. Oh, it's totally not an instrumental at all. No, I I don't see it so at all. It's it's great. I think it all works together. This one was on uh, Dungeons and Doorknob as well. All right, and uh, right after uh, Surfing in Hell is a nice little ditty called the Alphabet Soundcheck. Yeah, I feel like this one's the cousin of I Hear the Hiss. Yeah, no, I, I, I got you. It's, um, according to Logan, this was uh, one of his first tests of, of his new four tracks. So this is just him playing around with it, trying trying some stuff. I could hear some, some Casio sound effects in here. And so that's, 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 it gives it a little quirky feel yeah. to it. Yeah, it's a catchy little uh, sort of uh, throwaway experimental track. Yeah, I feel like this this whole album kind of tries to balance itself out with with experimental tracks and um, the songs that Logan would be more well known for later on. So it's kind of a, a half and half. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit that he's kind of building up confidence. Yeah, yeah, because you got songs like Happy Noodle versus Sad Noodle and Surfing in Hell mixed in with songs like Hey Nani Remix and Alphabet yeah. Soundcheck. So it's just kind of trying to find its find its equilibrium indeed indeed up next track 13 not my adam bomb i have never ever seen such a messed up crayon collection in my entire life i have never ever seen such a messed up crayon collection in my entire life i have never ever seen such a messed up crayon collection in my entire life i 
So this is one of my favorites. You like this one? I feel like it's not something that most people are going to like, but I really, really like it a lot. Um, first off, just because it's completely different than anything else that he did. Um, yeah. But I like this kind of um, unconscious kind of lyrics. Let me think how to say that a little better. Like, this one's not funny exactly. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a, a stream of consciousness flow of words that is kind of right on the edge of making sense. And I really like things that, that are like that. It, it's kind of surreal. It, it kind you, you can tell if you listen to it a lot, there's some sense in there, but it doesn't exactly make sense, and it's not exactly funny. Yeah, I got you. It's very stream of consciousness. Yeah, and also I just like that it shows this other side that is kind of... Uh, I think it's coming from like a Tom Waits kind of influence. Yeah, and it's um, it's kind of it's kind of got a, a bossa nova ish feel, just the slowness and the it's kind of kind of jazzy in that sense. Some kind of Latin music or something is at the root of the beat. Yeah, and it was funny because I think the the verse has the same kind of chords as the surfing in hell chorus, just slow down ah. and on a on a different style. I just really like the lyric of I've never seen such a messed up crayon collection in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> that is, a, that's a funny lyric. Yeah. It also has a really cool breakdown that I don't know how anyone would ever think of where it just goes really, it just goes to something really weird, like three quarters of the way third, three quarters of the way through, and yeah. then goes right back into the song. Do you have any uh, memories about this song? No, I, I mean I just remember the first time I heard it, just really, really liking it and thinking it was so different than his other than his other stuff. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it is a very it's a very uh, different song for Logan, mm-hmm. but it, that's a good thing. I like it. Yeah. All right, and uh, up next you got the fine-tuned family first. Yeah, what do you think about this one? It's an interesting little ditty. It's it's um, again, it's very story based, but it's a very interesting situation, and it's basically about a mafia family in the earlier 20th century. And it's, it's very, it's very different, but very much Logan. Yeah, it seems like he has other songs that are mafia songs, doesn't he? I I, I can't think of any off the hmm. top of my head. Um, He's got he's got songs like They Gets Body where it's like some guy's running from the police because he killed a guy, but um I can't think of anything that's specifically mafia. I mean uh, it, there might be something that comes up that I completely yeah let's see about. he's got a lot of bad behavior for such a goody good. I know he does he's got <laughs> these secret hidden tendencies. I guess I guess music was his outlet for his violent <laughs> violent outbursts. Yeah. Uh, the drums are pretty rocking right, in that one I have to say. They are. They, they are. It's a, it's a very um, fast-paced song. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And um, I guess on a similar note, the next song is called Friends Like Bill. Okay. Like Bill, 
Yeah, see, there you go. More crime. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, um, that's a very good song, actually. It's very, um, very, very, um, I don't want to say poppy, but I mean, it's just catchy. It's just a nice little song you can bop to. Yeah, I feel like I like this one more now than I did at the at the time. Um, is this the one, did he say in the notes, is this the one where he borrowed the drum machine to do it? Yeah, he borrowed a, a Rhythm King drum machine from his friend Andrew Jack- Dragonetti. Yeah, so this was a, um, there was a band that used to practice next door to us in our practice space. Um, that was just out in like this guy's land in the middle of nowhere in Petaluma with like broken down cars all over the place. And we practiced in these like shitty barns and like this, this other band called sons of Adam practiced in the the barn next to us and they had this drum machine. It was awesome. It was so cool. And uh, this song to me sounds like it's all about that drum machine that it probably, it probably was inspired by that sound. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. It, it just—it seems like this song really could have done well. Like I feel like Logan could have remade this, and it could have been because it's just really well put together. I feel. Mm. And um, y- you and Judah performed this at the memorial concert, I believe. Yeah, yeah you pointed that out to me. I have absolutely no memory of that. Um, <laughs> I think Judah must have picked this one, and I think I picked Three Legged Horse. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, Judah did vocals on this one, and you did vocals on Three-Legged Horse. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's cool. That makes sense. But, you yeah, know, I like this. Friends like Bill. Then we've got Ding Dong Whatever. Ding Dong Whatever. Ding Dong Whatever. Ding Dong Whatever. Ding Dong Whatever, man. Ding Dong Whatever. Ding Dong. Like, whatever. Ding Dong Ding dong, whatever. Ding dong, whatever. Ding dong, whatever. Ding dong, ding dong, whatever. When you're born, you can't move. Isn't that the same uh, tape sound from Goodbye My Four Track after a word from Farkle? The tape sound? Because um, right, right after the in between the two it's the tape sound of him turning over the tape and he's playing it that's, oh. the, that's the same sound effect as after um a work from where he's like see on side two yeah yeah, yeah. that's funny that seems, that seems I, like I didn't even hear that the first time around yeah i just I, I love the the i love the first thing with just all the different voices saying whatever whatever <laughs> like just whatever. like every voice that he had in his mind i know <laughs> it's amazing he had all those voices yeah uh, yeah, I don't know. This one seems kind of somewhere between Farkle and Fingertips. Yeah, no, I I'm, I definitely agree with you there. It's just a bunch of um of ideas he had that didn't quite go anywhere, so he kind of put them all together into one one big four minute piece. Yeah. Um, um, there's a piece in here that's called "I Don't Like What You Just Said," and um. The chord progression in that one sounds very similar to uh, Lizard and Fish. Uh, just ah. the, the basic riff of it. Because I know he had the, the riff to Lizard and Fish for a while before he even wrote the song. So I think that was him trying to incorporate that into that song. I see. Sort of an early version. Yeah. I, I love his description of the song. He said, I had about five little ideas for songs that I couldn't work out, so I stuck them all up in there together like a big leftovers meatloaf. That's a, that's <laughs> a good description. Yeah, exactly. Eh, it's fun. Yeah. And I, I think it's funny, like Fingertips, I know there's some big theory that Fingertips is about death, and I feel like you could kind of do the same with this song, because the um, first two songs after the ding-dong part are all about, are all about dying. <laughs> ah... So it's like, you're dying, whatever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, be, that'll be interesting to see if anybody comes up with a theory like that. Um, um, up next is a personal favorite on this album, Farting Angel. Yeah, he had to, he had to get serious after that wacky ding-dong. He, he had to get real serious. Around and no one would come near me. I wondered how long I'd have to offend the 
that's just a great track. I mean, because Falling Angel is by far one of the more serious Littleton Frog songs, and the fact that he just took it and made it so less serious is just... <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is kind of a combination of... Uh, well, maybe we should make it explicit that... So we were in the, the band Littleton Frog at the yeah. time, and we were, you know, playing all the time and practicing. Um and I think this song was kind of a combination of trying to make us laugh. Yeah. And maybe it's like slightly passive aggressive just because we're, <laughs> we're like um, making Logan play these songs like over and over again and, uh, you know, practice them, like play all these shows all the time. Um, and he kind of wants to like stay at home in his four track and mess around instead of <laughs> yeah. driving to Sacramento to play a show. <laughs> but I I love how it peters out at the end. Like he's like, I don't want to think of another verse, so he yeah. just makes it collapse. <laughs> he, he does that quite a bit. He when he can't think of something else, he kind of just like screams, and the whole track falls apart. <laughs> yeah, he does that on, on a couple other tracks. And I, I love that. That's that's a great way to end the track. Oh, all right, and we've got um track eighteen, Voy a la Playa. Yeah, I think this was just, um, we used to mess around. Do you remember there used to be answering machines? Like a physical machine that... What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this archaic technology that when people would call you, they would uh, listen to your message. Maybe actually at this time we didn't have a physical machine. It was like a service offered by the telephone company. And so we would constantly change the message. And <laughs> so this was just like, we were just messing around and uh playing like spanish sounding music and uh did this one and it's just like stupid like, saying every word we can think of in spanish <laughs> that's funny um voy a la playa the finest in non-denominational cuisine <laughs> so you guys didn't get any messages as long as it was up that's that's sad <laughs> yeah not the best answering machine message man that's unfortunate. Um, so after track 19, some fish, we have a little ditty that goes, Wash my hands. I brush my teeth of Uncle Ned. I floss of Auntie Sue. I scrub my neck of little Bobby and I wash my hands of you. Hey! That's just a fun song. I like it. Yeah, it's a short little thing. I, ba I barely remember this one, but... Um... Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little self-contained 30-second tune. Yeah, it's got a lot of really fun wordplay. All Logan has to say about this track is, it's a bad joke anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, cool. and um, up next we have um, the more, more thought-out ditty called The Three-Legged Horse. Oh, it's so good. stumbles around I wonder what I was a drinking when I dragged him back home from town now is this a Casio backing track I don't know why, I uh, uh, it's some kind of keyboard probably Casio and it's one of these things where um, if you press down one key, then it, it basically makes the, it plays a chord based on that note you're pressing down. Like, yeah. like if, if you press F, it makes an F chord. If you press yeah. A, it makes an A chord. And all the music is just prefab from that. And so I especially realized this when I learned how to play it for the, uh, the concert, the tribute concert or farewell concert or whatever it was called. Um, it's kind of a it's a very wonky chord progression it's like someone trying to basically it, you can see he's trying to kind of like break the machine <laughs> that, that's sort of an exaggeration but he's trying to make it do a chord progression that's wrong because the the music is so cliche yeah 
that it just does all these like really weird changes that don't make any sense. <laughs> that's funny. And yeah, he manages to make like a pretty catchy tune out of it. Yeah, no, that's that's something that blows me away about Logan. He can take these backing tracks from um, these pre-programmed tracks and make them sound all his own. Yeah, that that, that blows me away. Like, um, and I don't, this will come up next time, but Life is Peaches and Cream is all one big pre-programmed track, but I had no idea until I saw the live footage of him playing it. Ah, yeah, yeah. I think this, my in my memory, this is the first one I remember where he did that. Yeah, um, this is good. It, and it seems like an idea that lots of people would have to use pre-programmed tracks. Like, yeah. basically, to, to take this thing that was uh, invented by companies to make it so people who can't make music can make music. Yeah, and <laughs> like to, Wesley Willis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then to actually make something cool out of it, but then he really does it here. And I, I really, I think this one, I really, uh, I like the lyrics. They're very funny, but they're funny in a way that is kind of um, still funny to me every time I hear it. Yeah, it doesn't get played out. It doesn't, and it's 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 good. It's a, uh, it's well contained. It's a. Uh... <laughs> it's kind of depressing but kind of funny it's it's <laughs> it's good i like it like the legs on a minimalist table <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i love the um the i don't know why i bide him just yeah. to make it rhyme <laughs> I, I love them i think my favorite lyric is i can lead him to water but i can't make him drown that's <laughs> that's a funny lyric I think at the time when he made this, I didn't even know that there was kind of a play on a phrase. Yeah. That, um, you know, you can lead him to water, but you can't make him drink. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's very clever. I love it. And I think it's just a really, it's a really catchy tune. I love that it's like a country song. Yeah. It's one of those little, little, little gems of, of beauty. Indeed, indeed. Alright, up next we got the little little upbeat tune, not so upbeat tune, Mrs. Fenway. So the whole story behind like the name of the song is so weird. So he said it's based off the band name, the second Mrs. Fenway. And um, and I decided to look up the second Mrs. Fenway. And the only result I could find is that it's an alternate title of a silent film called Her Honor the Governor, which was one of the first appearances of Boris Karloff in filmography. So I, <laughs> I don't, I don't get where the name came from. That's so weird. So I do sort of know something here, but we should try to figure this out over time. But I remember you had this list of band names, and um, I thought it was a list of band names that he came up with for Little Tin Frog yeah. that we rejected. Um, but I looked at that list recently, and this isn't on it. But he had this list of band names, ideas that he came up with, and he was going through and writing a song for each one. Yeah. And th and this is one of them, I think. And there's other ones on this, like a like, Captain Pete. Exactly, Captain Pete is another one. And I wouldn't be surprised if Strange Mr. Gregor is either. So we got to find this list. I don't. I, I don't know. know. It's, it's, the second Mrs. Fenway. Yeah. How how do you how do you get the alternate title from a silent film with Boris Karloff and turn that into a a band name that, that that's what blows me away how did he even is it, is it a coincidence did he not even know or like it's just yeah that's just so strange he probably knew i don't know he knew <laughs> that seems like such an obscure fact um it's it's it's, it's such an upbeat tune too which is so weird because all these poor mrs fenways they're either dying or <laughs> or in the case of one of them they're they're squishing their cat yeah, I just love that it's almost like he's like, oh, what genre have I not done yet? Okay, we yeah. got have a reggae thing. <laughs> and the, the, the other thing I like in this song, 
The, it would for most people if they did it it would be a cliche the whole smoke the ganja part. <laughs> like in a way it's the most cliche thing you can do if you're doing a, a, a um, you know reggae parody yeah, but exactly. because of the thing I was mentioning before where he was kind of a goody good it just really made me laugh <laughs> I like I wasn't expecting it at all <laughs> that's really funny that's funny how his, his personality is so intertwined with, with his music yeah you know, you'll be hard set to find anybody else like that yeah, I think that's a, that, I love that one. I think it's really good. Yeah, it is. Um, the next song is my number is F apostrophe Ginny. My hat is large. My pants are big. My shirt is yellow. My clothes don't fit. My cat is large. My pants fall down, my telephone is ringing, my head is yellow, my number is Fujini. So this sounds like a um, reject from Ding Dong Whatever. Because it's just it seems so out of place, it sounds like it should be in, in that kind of mashup of, of half-baked ideas. Yeah, I have this vague memory about this one. I think some of these songs like this one, what would happen is um, sometimes if you sit down to record, you kind of get this feeling like the the blank paper syndrome. Yeah. And you're just kind of stuck. And so he told me what he would do is just make a stupid song. Yeah. And then it kind of, it gets you, like, if you just stop trying and just do something, yeah, then it kind of gets you going. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard, like, different times of Logan having writer's block. Like, there's a track out there on the internet called Abercrombie is a Weirdo, and um, that's just, like, an instrumental where he's just playing with all these, like, instruments, like a harmonica and his concertina, and the only lyric is, out of clay, out of clay, and it's just so like random and stuff but the whole story behind it was he was trying so hard on this one song it wasn't going anywhere so he just decided to make something that was just (laughs) no thought put into it just just make it and put it out there yeah and i guess that's kind of his thing um is to whenever you find yourself trying too hard then you're just taking yourself too seriously yeah and i think that's a that's a good exercise to to keep yourself from going too serious, just make something that's just F Ginny. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I don't know what he meant to say there. He probably meant he meant to say something else, and that's what came out. F Ginny. But then instead of fixing it, he was like, "No, that's it." <laughs> <laughs> the whole in in the moment thing that you were saying earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So um, that's track twenty three. Track twenty four is Unshake It. And track 25 is Captain Pete's Slideshow. (laughs) What I really like about this one is how it, um, it doesn't have anything kind of holding it together. Yeah. It's it's just kind of a beat with a bunch of sounds that go here and there. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I agree with you there. And it's just so funny that the, the mental images that come up when he mentions all these different pictures of Captain Pete in in, in La Biblioteca or watching TV. <laughs> you can you can just see it. It's You can see the yeah, slideshow. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. And um, exactly. Captain Pete was the first name for Littleton Frog, wasn't it? It was one of the names that we tried out before we settled on a name. I think the story behind it was that it came from um, it was it was like this action figure, this pirate action figure that he would play with as a kid. And I think it was with the guy Austin who who wrote the the song early on. Yeah, I think they they must have been like good buddies. And so it was kind of like part of their imaginary world, this Captain Pete character. And when he told <laughs> us about that, we really liked that idea of this kind of imaginary childhood world and character. But then, and so we were like, oh, okay, let's make that the band name. 
But then we realized that unless we tell people like a paragraph explaining the band name, that no one's going to think of that when they hear the band name. Yeah. <laughs> so it didn't seem like the best band name anymore. <laughs> so you went with Little Tin Frog. Which is, I don't know if that's any better. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, that's, that's funny. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was track 25. And now we're at the end of the album with the final track. Aww. Oh, don't, don't be so sad. We got, we, got, <laughs> we got a few more albums coming up. But now we're going to have to listen to The Death of Sid Sheinberg. Thank you. Thank you, thank you very much. Yes, especially you, man. Yes, come see me after the show. Hey, uh, I'm gonna be passing the hat, so after the next number, why don't you uh, just, uh, you know, give me a little contribution and uh, help me further my experimenting with uh, cheap booze and fast women. Uh, this next one I wrote with my cousin Bernie back in 47, and uh, it's a little ditty. I like to call Summer in Tel Aviv. Hit it. Three. Oh, oh, what happened? Where am I? Sydney J. Scheinberg. Oh, Satan. <laughs> you had me fooled there for a minute. I was going off my nut. How you doing? Hey, now this one like stands out because I think this is the only Logan track, excepting the the Farkle tracks, where it's it's purely a sketch. There's no music to it or anything. It's just yeah, it's him acting out as Sid Sheinberg and as Satan. Yeah, it's it's actually it's really funny. I think one of the things that made me laugh when I listened to this earlier in the week is that um, when he cracks a joke, these laugh tracks go. Yeah, and. Um, it gives you this weird feeling because you're by you're not fooled at all that it's a real audience. You know it's a laugh track, and so you just picture this guy, like coming up with a joke and playing the laugh track. It's, just, it's really funny. That is funny. Yeah, and I think I have a feeling that this song came about because he, like, discovered the sound that you could make in sound edit if you lowered your voice a lot that it sounds like Satan. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, oh, well, let's make a song where Sid Sheinberg like goes to hell, and <laughs> it adds yeah. on to the uh, the Sid Sheinberg lore. <laughs> I love Sid Sheinberg. He's he's definitely one of my favorite characters of Morgan. Yeah, what is Sid Sheinberg based on? Did we already talk about this? Like, I really I, don't. I, know. I think I think we tried to talk about a little bit, and I, I don't think. Um, I mean, old lounge singers. I, I'm the only, best I could think of was like Tony Clifton kind of character. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the backstory I'm getting from Sid was that he used to be a, a song a song songwriter back in like the 40s or whatever, and he had a partner, and now he's kind of washed up and alcoholic, and now he's doing deals with Satan to uh, live forever. <laughs> it's genius. I love it. I know. And it's sort of. It definitely takes it to the next level in terms of the story. You can follow it and has all these really cool sound effects. Yeah. It's unfortunate because I think there's only one other Sid Sheinberg song after this. And that's on uh, the Earth is Big album. Ah, okay. It's so sad. Alas. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I still feel that it's a... Um, really good album i don't know if it would appeal to to people who weren't logan fans but i i think it has um some classic songs on it yeah no i agree it's it's definitely he's he's starting to i guess, I guess mature in his um in his songwriting and uh the more more story-based songs and a lot lot you can see a lot more of what logan will be on this album especially with happy noodle versus sad noodle yeah I mean, un- it's clearly the masterpiece of this album, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of just songs that aren't given proper attention, I feel like. Surfing in Hell or um, Friends Like Bill. Songs that I feel like most people overlook. But, I mean, they are they're good tracks. Yeah, and I guess the other thing about this is the experimental ones, the ones that are really experimental, like kind of sonic experiments, are yeah. short. They are, they're, yeah. They're so more, it like, makes the- more like transition tracks than they are like actual tracks. 
Yeah, so it makes the album more palatable rather than having like a you know like a five minute one where he's just yeah exactly like, like um like vibrating leprechaun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's totally fun to listen to those. You don't really get by the time you start to get sick of them, they're over. Yeah, exactly. And um, and then also kind of on this album, I feel like trying out more genres is the yeah, other thing I see. Yeah. He's definitely he's experimenting more in the uh, the songwriting arena than he is with the recording stages. He's kind of figured out how to record. Now he's just trying to figure out how to write these different songs. Like, um, so he's got the story-based songs like The Man from Atlantis or Happy Noodle vs. Sad Noodle. Then he's kind of got the mismatch of songs like um, like Ding Dong Whatever. And then you got the Caribbean. You got He's just trying out all these different things to find what sticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it works. It's really good. Yeah, so I would be a biggest octopus. For, I, I like it. It's a yeah. good album. 15 stars. Alrighty. Well, everyone, this has been Talk in the Microphone Episode 2. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you We'll see you soon. Talking now.